Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. One of the factors of late modern life that Philip K. Dick discusses in The Android and the Human has to do with drug use. And we can understand drug use in several different ways. Drugs are products. He's definitely going to talk about that. There are also things that human beings administer to other human beings or that human beings may self-administer, take on and say, this is going to be good for me me. And he talks about two different kinds. He talks about what he calls street drugs. And we could call these the drugs of entertainment that people are using. They get bought and sold as commodities. And then there is the drugs of greater concern, what he calls establishment drugs. Now, obviously there's going to be some overlap between these when kids steal some older person's medications or older people do this with kids as well and take them in order to to like sort things out in their life or in order to party, have a good time, have some sort of experience. There is a significant overlap there. And we could also talk about establishment drugs where they're not doing exactly what Dick is afraid of. Think about opioids, which were, you know, over-prescribed in many cases illegally and immorally, producing an entire opioid epidemic, which then couldn't be met, the needs of which couldn't be met all the time by the pharmaceutical industry and the the doctors who are doing it. So people would go to street drugs to get that same sort of high or relief from the pain that they were experiencing. So there is kind of an interplay between the two of these. But Dick talks first about street drugs, and he says they are a major problem in the area where I live. And what is the major problem. He says the illegal drugs you buy on the street are often not what you think that you're getting. So they can be cut or adulterated or just plain not what you're told that they are. And then what happens? Well, you wind up poisoned or dead or just plain burned, which means that you don't get off, which means you pay $10 for a gram of milk sugar. And then he tells us something quite interesting about this. A sort of aside or digression. He says, you know, labs are set up, free labs, for the specific purpose of analyzing street drugs. You mail them a portion of the drug you've bought and they tell you what's in it. The idea being, of course, if it has strychnine or film developer or flash powder in it, you should know before you take it. So it's sort of like a consumer protection, right? If you're buying these illegal drugs and somebody's likely been cutting them with something, you can find out what it is and then don't take it or take it at your leisure. But he says the cops saw through this right away and the drug manufacturers kind of like it as well. He says they act as quality control stations for drug manufacturers. Let's say you're making methadrine in your bathtub at home, a complicated process, but feasible. Every time a new batch comes out, you mail a sample to one of those labs for analysis and they write back, no, you haven't got it quite right. Cook it for maybe five minutes longer. This is what the police are concerned about. The police are not actually concerned from Dick's perspective 
perspective about the dangers to, to people from the street drugs. They're more concerned about quality improvements in these. And he says the drug pushers also are kind of for this. The pushers are doing precisely that. Seems kind of a nice idea. The pushers being interested in what they're selling. Back in the old days, they cared only that you lived long enough to pay for what you purchased. After that, you were on your own. So there's a kind of benignity or benevolence on the part of the drug dealers. Not a real one, of course. But Dick goes on and he says that there were lots of issues that resulted from the use of street drugs, which were viewed as something kind of liberationary. You know, you could have new experiences. You could go against the system by not doing what they wanted you to, not feeling what they wanted you to, right? But as he saw, it led to a lot of suicides, as he says, psychoses, organic, irreversible damage to both heart and brain. And I think it's kind of interesting that he says heart and brain here rather than body and brain or, you know, some other organ. Drugs can also affect your kidneys or your liver. He talks about the heart. I don't think here that the reference is simply to the organic uh, tissue that we call the heart. Rather, it's to our personality because he goes on and he says these are a menace at one time you may have read this in biographical material accompanying my stories and novels i was ex interested in experimenting with psychedelic drugs that's over for me why well because he saw the effects of it and if you want to get a, a solid sense of this there's no better novel than a scanner darkly where dick at the very end talks exactly about what it is that he experienced and and saw of much greater concern to him though he says in this piece are what he calls establishment drugs and you know at any given time America is just flooded with what we're calling establishment drugs. And he says that these are reputable, prescribed by reputable doctors, given in reputable hospitals, especially psychiatric hospitals. And then he says, these are pacification drugs. Now, what does he mean there? They change the person to make them more amenable or less of a bother or to fit in better or more productive. And we could think of all sorts of drugs that have come on the market since the time of Dick, you know, drugs that allow us to focus better, drugs that even our affects out. And so he goes on and he says, I'm thinking that they actually produce soul damage. And I've got to explain what I mean by soul damage. So he says that it's been discovered recently what we call mental illness or mental disturbance, such syndromes as the schizophrenias and the cyclothymic phenomena of manic depression may have to do with faulty brain metabolism. Now, I also like this formulation. He doesn't say they stem from, they are caused by. He doesn't use reductivist language like that. He says they have something to do with. That is, there is definitely a connection because you can give people drugs and see that they stop having hallucinations or they stop acting in the way that they were. They report having perhaps more clarity or less intrusive thoughts, right? And so he says, you know, brain catalysts like serotonin, uh, noradrenaline, these things, you know, might not be present in, in the right amount. And he goes on and he says, he gives some examples of things that can lead to these problems. So he says, mental illness then is a biochemical phenomenon. If certain drugs, such
such as the phenothiazines, are introduced, brain metabolism regains normal balance. The catalyst serotonin is utilized properly and the patient recovers. And we could go over example after example like this. And then he says, by the way, there is a drug of choice these days. It's, it's not used quite as frequently now, I think, as it was in his time. He talks about lithium carbonate and, you know, generally just referred to as lithium. And if you've ever seen people given too much of this, it is quite a frightening sight the transformation that comes over them. And many people who take lithium report that, particularly for a bipolar disorder, as he's calling it manic uh, depression, they report that it works for them and it works for them by flattening everything out. The highs are gone, but the lows are gone. And it, you know, it's a question of whether that's a good trade-off. He says, if taken by the disturbed patient, lithium carbonate will limit an otherwise overabundant production or release of the hormone noradrenaline, which most of all acts to cause irrational thoughts and behavior of a socially unacceptable sort. And then he says, the entire amplitude of feeling wild grief, anger, fear, any and all intense feelings will be reduced to proper measure by the presence of the lithium carbonate in the brain tissue. What are the results? The person will become stable, predictable, not a menace to others. He will feel the same and think the same pretty much all day long, day after day. The authorities will not be greeted by any more sudden surprises emanating from him. And this goes directly to what Dick had talked about midway through this section, he is concerned with drugs causing a reduction of the human to the android. He says, I mentioned these pacification drugs in order to return to my main preoccupation here, the human versus the android and how the former can become, can in fact be made to become the latter. And this is what he's talking about is soul damage. The reduction of the human down to a lesser state, the not non-human, but the android, because the human is still the basis for all of this. And there's a danger in both of these types of drugs of that happening. A greater danger, I think, on his view with the drugs that are prescribed, the drugs that are legal, the drugs that are part of the fabric of normal society. But I should point out that street drugs, if you read his A Scanner Darkly, he uses language of human beings being reduced to stimulus response machines, to insects, to having that sort of reduction of what it is that makes them human, a loss, a permanent loss in most cases. And so Dick thinks that drugs could in fact serve some useful purpose. He's not throwing them out entirely, but he thinks that we have to be very, very careful in how we approach them and make use of them and that they are in fact being used to control people, to reduce them from the human to the android. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.